The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It is time to talk about AEW's all-out pay-per-view here on Bunker Mania, recording live on twitch.tv slash Bunkerzilla UK. I am Jeremy Graves, and I am joined by my cohort in crime. Let's say today that he is the Stu Grayson, if I am Evil Uno from the Dark Order. It's Mr. Ian Bolton. Ian, how are you doing? I'm doing good, and the tech is working. There you go. <laughs> just the right buttons today. Uh, if you were here when we did the last live show on Friday, um, you would have noticed I may have appeared a little bit early before I realised that I had done a boo boo and had to disappear, or a botch. There we go, botch. We're keeping in t- we're keeping in line with uh, keeping in line with all things wrestling. But yes, we are members of the Dark Order today. I like this. I like this, and it's very, very kind of suitable for obviously the topic of today's episode um but uh, yes how are you doing jeremy how are you doing not, not doing too bad not doing too bad i'm i'm just happy this is gonna sound weird i'm very happy to be a wrestling fan right now and i mean the term wrestling like i'm not even counting wwe at this point but there, <laughs> there's there's been like a lot of discourse going on about this and i think brian danielson post all out summed it up best, which we'll probably get onto a little bit later. Oh yes, but, of course. Uh, but but I think some of the, his thoughts and feelings that he shared before the the, the capacity crowd at All Out post pay per view really sums up a lot of things. And it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely, but- absolutely. Um, it's 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 a very kind of warm, fuzzy feeling at the moment for anything to do with AEW. It just it just. It just seems like it's the place to be right now, especially if you just if you love professional wrestling, this is the place to be right now. And it's like I'm I've been kind of chatting with people online. I even took a I took a phone call from a mutual friend, uh, Christian R. Allen, uh, who had just who had finished watching All Out yesterday, and he was he just wanted to talk about it. He, he was just so excited. It's like it's like it's like I watch a lot of wrestling with Christian. I've never heard him this excited for wrestling in so long and it's like it I, I think it just sums up just how good of a job AEW are doing right now in terms of wrestling um but yeah that, that, that's the, that's the light little precursor into this little discussion because spoiler alert um I think we're both in agreement this is probably one of the best wrestling shows in yonks in years Hold that thought for a second, Ian, because because before we get any further, folks, first of all, thank you very much for tuning into this edition of Bunker Mania, be you live in our Twitch chat right now, of which if you want to post any comments or let us know what you thought, do let us know. And then as we can, we shall try and share comments throughout the program tonight. And of course, if you do enjoy the show, be it live or in the archive on on the Twitch channel or later on on the Bunkerzilla YouTube channel. Why don't give us a follow? Follow Bunkerzilla UK. Lots of stuff coming up and in the works from our mastermind of the Dark Order here, Mr. Ian Bolton. <laughs> so if you want to follow on Twitch, Twitter, there's a Facebook group as well. Make sure you do that. And of course, stay tuned to the official website of Bunkerzilla UK in the coming weeks as well. Because I believe you have mentioned, Ian, there are there are updates coming to be, to be noted. Yes. Very soon. 
I'm currently starting a bit of redecorating and uh, re restructuring, relabeling, and kind of making things a little bit fresh and a little bit funky. Um, but lots of exciting stuff to come along very, very soon. Obviously, Bunker Menu is continuing as, as we are doing. We're both enjoying this show. It's great fun to do the show and talk about wrestling on a regular basis. Um, so shows like Film Raw, which is our podcast, our, our podcast and even video live stream about uh, movie reviews, that will be returning very, very shortly, as well as dedicated programs for video games anime television and all that sort of stuff so it's going to be rolling out gradually from october but uh it's it's a really exciting time for us here exactly now you said a few moments ago one of the best pay-per-views I, I forgive me I, I can't remember the exact quote you said but in a very long time yeah. this is actually what i wanted to start the discussion with because i have mm. thought i've thought a lot about this the past like few days even in the build-ups to all out i yeah. you know i've made it known i've enjoyed aew since day one I've loved it from the moment it started. There have been a few random misses here and there, but it happens yeah. with everything, but not necessarily of their own volition. Sometimes it's just, you know, if you have an exploding barbed wire death match and your explosions don't happen, you yeah. know, technical error, it happens kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But just the ride that AEW has been on, just building up to this show, it's this has felt like a very defined point just for wrestling in general, be you a fan, be you in the actual industry itself, or even just someone looking on the outside, I would argue, and this might be a, an, a very big statement to make, mm -hmm. but I think this is the equivalent of there being a boom period in wrestling right now. Because this right now is a peak moment all mm -hmm. out. It's a, it is a moment that people will be talking about for years to come. It is an incredibly significant event. And in going back sort of through just my brain, not even really looking up events online to see if there's anything I've just really forgotten, but in the last 20 years, and I appreciate that's a big number to say, I would say in terms of events or, or, or periods of time that perhaps equal in stature to that, mm -hmm. to All Out, I would argue the week of WrestleMania 17, when WCW was bought by Vince McMahon, then WrestleMania 17 itself, just kind of encompassing those two into one element, if you will. That in itself was a was a very significant moment in wrestling history. And I'm, I'm focusing more specifically on North American wrestling, I should say, because I've been to events here in the UK. I've watched loads of Japanese wrestling and from elsewhere that have been incredible events, and I've had a proper emotional attachment to them. But in terms of North American wrestling, because I think that's the barometer I wanted to set here, that time period in March 2001 of WCW being bought and then WrestleMania 17 that same week, that was when I, that was a moment when I was just so emotionally invested and that was arguably the, the final peak of the Attitude Era. That is where it kind of came to a close for many people, has been discussed. Yeah. Af after that, there are only two other events as a whole that have come to mind. There have been other moments, for example, Shawn Michaels v. Ric Flair, WrestleMania 24, Emotionally, I was so invested in that. It was a final match, final match in the career of Ric Flair. <laughs> then Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker 2 at WrestleMania 26, the retirement match. Yeah. I, I've said from day one, I've never actually gone back and rewatched them. Maybe that's something we'll do at some point, maybe. But I still stand in saying the second match is better than the first. Because <laughs> the, way it, the way it ended, it was just such an emotional high. Just Undertaker looked like he was going to, utterly murder Shawn Michaels and then did a jumping spinning tombstone I think it was which you oh, never yes. see him do before like it was just that moment that was like you're done 
Mm. It was just such an encapsulating moment. And the other moment where I had been so emotionally invested in just a specific match was John Cena and CM Punk Money in the Bank 2011. Because it was just a fantastic time. And that that build-up to it as well, I will include like the pipe bomb promo as well, just from an emotional investment point of view. That's been like just specific matches or things going on. That's been a proper peak for me. The, The only other two events I have been able to think of since 2001 that mm. have got me that emotionally invested as a whole. Yeah. One Night Stand 2005. That pay-per-view was so damn good. I've, again, not gone back and watched it, not because I didn't want to, it's just because I've got my memory of watching that. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a fun watch, the emotion involved, just everything about it. It's just that wonderful, like, encapsulating moment of time. Just you have it in your bubble like a time capsule. The other one, which kind of links into what we're going to be talking about, is the all-in pay-per-view from 2018. What I almost call the pilot episode, if you will, of AEW. Mm. Because it wasn't actually an AEW event because the company didn't exist. But effectively, that was the pilot episode, if you will, or the pilot event. And that was just the wrestling industry just coming together to try and do something really special and unique. And it had talent from so many different promotions involved as well, including New Japan, if memory serves. I think Kazuchika Okada was on there. Jericho did a surprise run in dressed as Penta. I think Koto Bushi is there as well. Yeah, he was in the main event because that yeah. main event six man went like five minutes because a match overran, I think, by like 20 minutes. So, mm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's like, I think those three particular all-encompassing events as a whole, the WrestleMania 17 and the WCW being bought, One Night Stand 2005 and All In, those have been like proper emotional highs in terms of the entire event. All Out is now on that list for me as well, because it was that damn good. If it is it better than all of those or any of those? Probably, but I haven't gone back and watched the others, so I don't know. But right now, it is probably one of my favorite events ever, because that is how damn good I think this event was. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I think ever since I started rewatching wrestling in like 2015 onwards, um, and to a point. Obviously, disclaimer here, obviously, I was more focused on things like WWE at the time. Um, but as you were talking about, like, emotional connections to events or particular matches and stuff like that, I don't necessarily have so much as, like, a personal connection, I guess, to to any sort of major matches that have kind of happened in that sort of time space up until now, and apart from a few little bits and bobs. Um, I mean, I got to, I mean, I went to the UK Championship in Blackpool when they started launching NXT UK. That was quite a nice special two-day event. I enjoyed myself there, and, and the takeover the following year there was was also quite entertaining as well. So those are, those are nice little going through an event live sort of things, which was quite special. Uh, in terms of in terms of TV, in terms of pay-per-view stuff, again, it's like there are little bits and pieces that are fun to see. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the, the cash-in at WrestleMania 31. Uh, again, just this, this is the thing that's kind of, that's kind of evident here. Is I, I will remember the emotions and the feelings I had with All Out this year, simply because it's like it just because it was just it was. <laughs> it's very hard to describe, but it's just it's just it's just I just I just connected with it and I just enjoyed it and I just even though I'm watching on a on like a on a small TV, I'm not in I'm not in the arena stuff of that. You still you could still feel to be a part of that show. And I don't feel and I don't think for a lot of stuff that I've watched 
in the many years since I started watching wrestling again, I feel like I, I have had that sort of connection. Yeah, I might have the odd odd little happy reaction. So it's like earlier this year, I was really, really pleased to see Big E win Money in the Bank. It was kind of like a nice sort of feel-good moment there. And this is the thing. It's, it's the thing that WWE say they are. They're all about making moments. They make moments, but they don't make something that's like, something that's just like whole, like something like All Out is. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to waffle too much on because this is kind of, I don't want to sort of feel like I'm trying to pluck for words to kind of... Well, no, but, really yeah, explain, I, I, but... I, also, I also have just sprung this on you. Yeah, like I didn't yeah, no, tell you I was going to talk about no, this, no, but no, this. But I think what you've just said though, not to try and put a bow on it, but mm. I think the fact that you are really having to think yeah. spur of the moment, is mm. there anything like I've just said where you felt that connected to it? Mm. That is a testament to how important just using that word as a blanket statement, all out is and was. Yeah, agreed. I I think that's a, a very good uh, statement to make about the event. So in terms of the event itself, we're just going to sort of go through match by match, if you will, just discuss some things here and there. No particular yep. set way of doing this. Uh, the yeah, pre-show, it, it was a big 10-man tag match, best friends and jungle at... Is it Jungle Express or Jungle? Yes, it's Jungle Express. Jungle Joe, Express. I, I, I nearly call it Jungle's Jungle in the name. No, I nearly call it Jungle Universe. I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's the Jungle Universe. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but yeah, so, it's, so uh, was it 10-man or 8-man? Either way, multi-man uh, multi multi yeah, match. Multi Best friends, Jungle Express versus the Hardy family office. This was a nice little fun opening match. It kind of just helped set the tone for things to come. Also notable that the, the Butcher made his return. He's clearly done recording his album with his band now, so he can come back now. That's probably why. Mm. But um, it, I was actually really happy to see him come back because I really like the tag team of Butcher and Blade. I think yeah. it's just a really cool little unit that they've got going there. And this sort of Best Friends Jungle Express and Hardy Family Office thing is clearly going to continue. And based on what they were teasing, it looks like we're going to get a hair versus hair confrontation at some point. It's like I don't really understand the merits of the hair versus hair. There, to be honest, it's not. It's, I. It's like, it's like I. I liked the match. I think. I, I think the match is a great little palette cleanse and warm up for obviously the main show that obviously followed into the pay per view. But I think with the best friends and the Hardy family office feud, it's like I, I've enjoyed it for what it has been. But it's kind of I, I feel something, something majorly significant should be happening. Not necessarily a heavy hair. I mean, I mean, bald Matt Hardy would be quite a, quite a, quite a thing to see. I can't imagine Orange, Orange Cassidy losing his hair anytime soon. To be perfectly honest. Um, well, well, that's an interesting point to bring up. Like mm. hypothetically speaking, if you've got everybody from Best Friends Jungle Express and the HFO, who are the people that you put the hair on the line? Like an obvious candidate yeah. would be Butcher. Look at him. Enough said. That said, I think that's a really cool look for him, just in general. So I mm. wouldn't want that to go. Yeah. But you know, maybe Matt Hardy, after a certain number of years here, is mm. finally just like, you know what? I kind of just don't want long hair anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just like, I've had enough. And then, in terms of who's going to have the most connection for mm. the fans' point of view, Orange Cassidy's the easiest choice. Absolutely, yeah. And also trying to imagine Orange Cassidy bald when he's such a lazy character in himself and it takes effort to maintain being bald sometimes if you want it to be. Like, it could be quite amusing. It could be. It could be. I, 
I think I need a little bit more convincing for this hair versus hair thing. I think that I think that's all I'll say on this. It's like I'm I'm happy with the match. I thought the match was fun. I think it was a nice little sort of warm up. Um, but in terms of the feud, I I'll be interested to see where it goes from Dynamite tonight. But it's it's kind of like I feel like it needs to either they either need to break away and focus on other factions or other opponents or there needs to be a, a, a final resolution and probably might happen at Grand Slam. You never know, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's, that's just, general, that's just general, generally my thoughts on, on that match. Hmm. So as we move to the main show proper, just a sort of quick side note question, because we talked on the last episode of this past Friday, if you've not heard or, or seen that already, folks, you can still watch the archive of that and see how right or wrong we were when it came to predictions <laughs> and such. But one mm. of the things we were talking about, in particular for the, the sort of the top three matches, was what order should the matches go in? Mm. In terms of the order of this card as a whole, what did you think? Just literally sort of top line notes on that. What did you think? I I think when, when I was watching the pay-per-view originally, it was kind of like, okay, we're going to have this match a bit early. So it's like seeing uh, uh, Britt Baker versus Chris Satlander like the third match on the card, it's like, okay, this is a weird, weird decision, but I'll, I'll go with it. And and I think it was, I think it was cleverly kind of structured around the cage match, which we will talk about, because the cage match was such an emotional investment, I think, for for the audience and even the viewers at home. That obviously I kind of had to you kind of had to pad it out with matches that people can get excited for and kind of be able to be excited but not not go too excited because obviously we then move into things like jericho mgf punk Allen, uh, punk and allen and then we have like the little breather of paul white versus qt marshall and then we go into obviously the main event which obviously finished with those uh big debuts and i think now having the debuts there i i totally understand why that was the main event and i and i was quite happy with that to be the main event to be perfectly honest um yeah i think i think structure wise i think they they did it. They did it right. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, the the you, you sort of mentioned about like the positioning and sort of having different paces and such. That was mm. the key thing to how this show was formatted. I'll just use that word because it's far easier mm. to say. Because uh, I hate to I hate to almost call something the equivalent of like a break or yeah. you know a moment. You know what, you like, say that. Yeah. yeah, or like a palate cleanser. But you needed to adjust the pace throughout. Because sometimes, I mean, I've been to wrestling shows where you've had like three matches, one after the other, which have each been freaking insanely good. Yeah. But by the last one, you're just burnt out because that's how mm. good they've been. And the way the show was structured, it was enough to where you sort of, you were still invested, but you could, I guess, sit back a little bit. You could take a breather while still enjoying it. Not to, again, mm. to say it was a break, but it was just enough of like, I'll use it. I'll use a car analogy. It's like when you've been in fifth gear on a motorway, and you 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 come off the motorway. And now you're on like an A road, and you're so, you mm. might be stuck behind like a tractor or something for a bit, and you kind of just slow it down a little bit, but you're still making progress. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird analogy for the day, but there you go. <laughs> so the first match on the pay per view, Miro v Eddie Kingston for the TNT title. Mm-hmm. I think I described this match in the preview as being two people who will beat the piss out of each other. And boy, did they do that. <laughs> Absolutely, they did. There's a nice picture to, to remind folks of the battle. Obviously, yeah. I think this was towards the end of the Super Matchka kick that took down uh, Kingston. Uh, and not the game over, which was quite surprising. Um, this was uh, such a good match. It's just, it, it was a good match to open the, open the card with. The crowd, 
owing to both both of them. Obviously, Miro, obviously, he's a great heel. He's having the time of his life on AEW. And the crowd reception for Kingston is was electric as well. It was just basically, you know what? We're just going to get into it and just start hitting each other for six. Um, and I and I think there's some legs to go on this feud. I think there will be a rematch coming. Um, I kind of liked the like psychology of the the whole thing about the turnbuckle towards the end. Obviously, the the pivotal thing in this match is, uh, I think it's I I forget who actually pulls off the turnbuckle, but the referee gets it was so Miro, I think. Yeah, it was Miro, and the referee gets so incensed of no, you can't turn up, you can't pull off the turnbuckle. We but but, but, but it was accidental. That's the key thing. Accidental. <laughs> oh, is, is it really with Miro? Um, <laughs> but um, no, I, it's like the crowd obviously feeling that the ref was kind of doing something dodgy at the same time which was quite interesting but no it, it perfectly allowed it perfectly allowed Miro to retain the title with the heel tactic side of things I think he went he did the low blow and then obviously just bounced around a couple of bits and delivered one hell of a match could kick um but yeah it's it's like and one of the things as well they talked about and this is something they talked about on the commentary was obviously how efficient Miro has been as a champion in terms of defenses like his his matches are 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 brief they're short they're like five to seven minutes so forth so he's a, he's a efficient champion out of all his defenses and again i think this is probably about what 10 10 11 minutes i might uh, be let me check actually i think i've got the official time here lurking about okay it, no worries. it it was it felt very swift it felt very swift it didn't feel like it dragged 13 29 all right so a little a little bit more than seven minutes this time around but um but the fact you thought it only felt like seven minutes yeah. is a testament to how damn good it was yeah absolutely absolutely but i i i want to see them fight again and i it's like you part of me, and part of me it's like now that mira's wife uh lana cj perry i think her name is has now seen out the non-compete course i so want to see them reunited on AEW. so he's got god's favorite champion and his beautiful wife and the height so. and 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 everything that can happen. Are you going to talk about the Twitter thing? <laughs> that I, I, I have no idea what Twitter thing you're talking about, actually. But no, what I was going to say mm. was Eddie Kingston's from New York. Yeah, there's a pretty big New York show coming up. One might yes. assume if there's a time for for Senor Eddie to win the belt, that might be the time. But before yeah. we get to the Twitter thing, what I want to say about the match because uh, first of all, I love this match. Like you said, the yeah. crowd was white hot. It was just so damn good. Such great energy. The thing that I really, really liked about this match mm. is that it set the tone for the evening. Mm. Now, if you think about it from our perspective, we're both regular AEW watchers. I'm a massive yeah. AEW fan and whatnot. So this got me even more hype for the show than I already was watching it. For someone like yourself, pardon me for, for saying it this way, Perhaps a bit more on a casual side. Like you're not watching absolutely everything AEW yeah. related like I might be, but yeah. you still got really into it. Imagine if you're someone who bought this show, you've maybe either seen just a tiny bit of AEW or you've never seen it. And maybe you bought it because it's CM Punk's return match. And this is the first match you saw. It was hard hitting. There was explosive action. There was so much great stuff going on in this match. This is your first introduction to AEW. In terms of just yeah. being like an introduction of that's what let's call it like kids. That's what WWE do. This is what we do here. And mm. it had a bit of everything. That's what I loved about this match so much. It literally had a bit of everything. And yeah. it was two heavyweights just beating the piss out of each other. What's better than that? It's it's what you it's what the promo promised. It's what the promo promised to be honest. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, shall we move on to the next match, which was Moxley? Let's, because it was John Moxley defeating New Japan legend Satoshi Kojima. This is a fun, this is kind of a funny match because I really enjoyed it. But I think there was clearly a feeling that people understood Kojima as a legend, but they probably thought, mm. oh, yeah, is he, in the nicest way to put this, I- I've seen some discourse of people basically going, I'm going to be honest. I thought it was a letdown when Kojima was announced. And it's like, I thought, okay, mm. this will be, it'll be, it'll be fun. You know, I'll go for it. I'll get into it. But I think people were pleasantly surprised how much Kojima could still go. And yes. I knew that because I still watched a decent amount of Japanese wrestling and whatnot. And he had a great match at, I think it was Wrestle Kingdom in January. I think he wrestled Kenta, if memory serves. And it was a really good match. But this was just really, really good fun. And yeah. you could tell Kojima was having a blast because, again, in the nicest way to phrase it, He's been wrestling in front of not capacity crowds in Japan, but also he got to have a really raucous crowd and he's probably not experienced that in so damn long at this point. It was just really, really great fun. And we'll get onto what happened afterwards in just a moment, but the match Mm. itself, I really, really enjoyed it. Really, really just good fun. And you can also tell John Moxie was having a freaking great time as well. Oh yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it in the last, in the last stream where we said it was more, I said it, I felt it was going to be more like an exhibition match. I think a lot of people knew it was going to be more like an exhibition match, obviously the forbidden door and stuff like that, but it, but it, it's still a fun match. It was still a nice hard hitting new Japan style wrestling match. As you expected, Moxie didn't hold back. Nor did Kojima. It was perfectly fine, and yeah, it's just it, yeah, it was it was just just a nice little sort of hey, this is a cool little match. Doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Well, it kind of does for tonight's dynamite. Now, <laughs> <laughs> as I said that in a way, sort of ah, it doesn't mean anything. Oh wait, that thing happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, in in the grand scheme of obviously like the short term booking there for for either man, either man, I it's. It's more like just a nice, a pleasant, a pleasant excursion, um, and and obviously to give Moxie something to do. But that doesn't mean it's a bad match. It's it's fun. It's it homages New Japan Pro Wrestling quite nicely, and the whole setup for Wednesday, um, I think, just kind of was the was the lovely icing on the cake for this match. Even though even though nothing major was on the line, um, just having the events that happened afterwards really really made it worthwhile go into it now Ian because I'm curious to hear your take on this so what did you think of the post-match I'll let you explain what happened so um we've got um apologies I don't know the name fully off by heart I know uh, it, it is, is, is Minoru Suzuki yes here he is looking so <laughs> so happy to be it's like he looks happy but he definitely looks like he's going to kill you <laughs> oh, that, 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 for the record that is his that, that's one of his happy faces <laughs> so yeah it's like I think because they they had a ma- I think they had a match in G1 Climax. I think so, yeah. During the first year of Moxie being free from WWE, hmm. um, and that was one I think the way they just went, they may have gone all around the, the arena. I might be sure. Um, it might be someone else. So I do apologize, New Japan fans, if I got it wrong. I just I think they may have fought before. I'm not sure, but they said, but they certainly had a battle regardless. Oh yes, absolutely. They had a, <laughs> they had a nice battle. Uh, Suzuki comes out. He's n- n- pretty much serenaded by the crowd, by the crowd to the ring to his theme song, which is uh, which is a very Japanese kind of um, anime style opening music side of things. And I think you are underselling how much this crowd were overly <laughs> pumped, like I was when I heard Suzuki's music. Like, yeah. So it, it's like the way to try and 
the way to try and describe Minoru Suzuki is he is legitimately a tough badass. Yes. Like he, he's competing in like MMA competitions, also a form of, of fighting that I'm not overly familiar with called Pancrase, but mm-hmm. he is he is a genuine wrestler. Yeah. And that's why his wrestling and what he does comes across as so brutal. Because it probably is, quite frankly. And he's got an intensity about him that you genuinely feel like he will murder you. Because mm. in theory, that's what he will likely do. <laughs> and so he comes out, and it's one of those things as well where you see like his his Jumbotron like video. And if you're a New Japan fan, you recognize that video. And so as soon as they saw the word the king, everyone mm. just started losing their crap, quite frankly. Yep. And then when he actually came out, and there was just that moment of, oh my god. <laughs> And I don't know if you've gone back and watched it or if you've ever heard them before, but when they're exchanging forearms in the ring, wear a pair of headphones. Okay. Wear a pair of headphones and just listen to Suzuki's forearm shot. Mm. You you can hear it if you've got headphones on, but if you just listen, that's Mm. the level of intensity that he brings. And... Now and he ultimately he downs Moxley. He does the Gotch style pile driver, which is one of his trademark finishes, as well as the sleeper hold. Mm-hmm. And we're then getting the freaking match on Dynamite, like tonight. Yeah, in Moxley's hometown. <laughs> Just it's like freaking it's like, it's like Christmas being an AEW fan at the moment. Oh, it's probably more of Christmas treat for Moxley to be perfectly honest. It's like, yeah, we're we're going we're going to your hometown. You've done such a good job. Who do you want to fight? Suzuki. Okay, <laughs> here he comes. You can almost just imagine, like, he's, like, inviting, like, you know, friends and family he may still have in Cincinnati. He's like, oh, you know, come to the show. You know, it's going to be yeah. good fun. And it's like, you'll get to see me probably get murdered by someone. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was just, yeah, it's just very stiff forearms and punches to one another before it just went into, like, the pile driver. But it was just something so captivating about them just trading a blow. Mm-hmm. Slight sort of stagger back and said, All right, I'm gonna go again. Eh? <laughs> and the crowd just had to go in, hooray, hooray. <laughs> that sort of thing. But no, I, I enjoy it. I am looking forward to the match. I hope they have a really good match on Dynamite tonight. At um, the very least, it's gonna be flipping entertaining. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> Suzuki is doing sort of like a little tour of various US indie promotions. So I think mm. there was a genuine disappointment amongst people when he was being announced for like lots of indie shows, including like a Game Changer Wrestling GCW, who, funnily enough, John Moxley won the Deathmatch title the night before All Out, and is going to be facing Nick Gage in about a month. I will not be watching it, because that will be brutal. Yes. Pizza but, um, cut is at the ready. Um, it, excuse me, more than freaking pizza cut. Yeah. Like. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's that thing of... It, this is just going to be a really... Fun, brutal match. That shouldn't be a sentence, but it is. It's just going to be really good fun. And again, it's something different. And when people yes. were really disappointed, people were like, oh, why the heck isn't Suzuki on this pay-per-view? It kind of makes sense now. And you people yeah. got to see him on the pay-per-view. And the other thing as well, which I do want to say is an all-encompassing thing. Mm-hmm. AEW did well what WWE really can't do that well. And that's promote a television show, a regular television show Mm. on a pay-per-view without it feel like you're being cheapened from it. Yes. Because they did it a couple of times. There was the Malachi Black promo, if I remember correctly, because it's him and Dustin on either Dynamite or Rampage this week. There was the Andrade interview, which the match with Pac is on Rampage, if memory serves. 
And then we got this segment to build up to the match on Dynamite. It's like, I didn't feel cheated at all. If anything, it got me more hyped for all of those shows. Yeah. So you got the fallout of the event, but you also have some really stellar matches on the card. Um, it's like with Dustin Rhodes and Malachi Black. Oh, Malachi Black's going to murder him tonight. Absolutely no questions. But obviously, there might be a little bit of a longer battle between between the two ring uh, between the two ring veterans. But yeah, it's it's going to end the same way as most of Malachi Black's matches. Fate to Black, pin, and then the next member of the Nightmare Family will go. I want a piece of you and. Yeah, he's just Malachi Black's just going to pretty much kill every member. Not literal kill, but wrestling term in the ring kill every member of the Nightmare family until Cody comes back at some point. But he's still doing his sort of uh, TV show recordings at the moment. So, yeah, I, yeah. I do wonder how long they're going to hold off Cody for because the logical assumption would be for the next pay per view, full gear. Yeah, but at the same time, being honest about it, when I think of the Nightmare family. I can't think of anybody else other than Cody mm. at this point. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like they, they brought out Lee Johnson. Like, like for the record, I just want to say this now. Shotty Lee Johnson is an interesting nickname, but when you pronounce Shotty as Shoddy, I think of something completely different. Just saying. <laughs> okay. But I, but I literally, I can't think of many other people in the Nightmare family that can help keep this captivating. They managed mm. to do it with Arn Anderson when he blocked the, the roundhouse kick and then got kicked in the nuts. No. That was great. <laughs> but it's just, if oh. my theory now is, if you're going for Dustin, the brother, surely the next target after that or the next person to come up and try and do something, it's got to be Cody. Yeah. Unless, That's unless you think of. Unless Black starts targeting close friends of Cody, who may not be part of the Nightmare family, but they are friends of the Nightmare family. So that, that storyline could still continue on. Associates in of. Associates <laughs> of the Nightmare family, in that sort of way. Um, but uh, I, liked, I liked the Lee Johnson match on, um, on Rampage, but basically it's like, it's like Malika gives him a chair, go, go on, use the chair, use the chair, use the chair. It was really well done. Chair. It's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, no, I'm not that sort of person. All right. <laughs> it was the equivalent of a Star Wars moment of come to the dark side. That's yeah. literally what it was, and it was great. It's like never. All right then, <laughs> black mass. Oh, well, not face of so... black, black mass. Sorry. Uh... Speaking of going to the dark side, I don't know how that's a segue, but it is. Uh, Britt Baker retaining the title over Chris Statlander from the Andromeda Galaxy. There you go. It's got to be dark there in the Andromeda Galaxy somewhere. There we go. This I. I really liked this match. There were some amazing moments in this. The crowd was super into it. Some of the feats of strength of Statlander, like that mm. superplex moment where she tried oh, yeah. to lift her, then kind of couldn't, and then just basically deadlifted her into a superplex. That was freaking insane. Yeah. But ultimately, Britt Baker getting the win, there being a very notable, I, I mean, obviously, we all call it a Panama sunrise. In this case, it was a Pittsburgh sunrise. And <laughs> oh, did we, little did we know that was a teaser for something later in the evening. But well, the crowd lost it when that happened. Well, to be honest, with TakeOver 36, Adam Cole did do a lockjaw on Kyle O'Reilly in the in the, the undisputed finale side mm. of things. So originally, I just kind of thought, oh, it's just Britt Baker returning the favor, the favor with doing like the doing like the Panama Sunrise because I think there was like a weird trend going on I think some SummerSlam because Edge used the Glam Slam 
on Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. and and then the wrestlers were just going, "Couple goals, do you have a fin- do your spouse's finisher?" <laughs> and lo and behold, <laughs> Adam Cole does it on Takeover the next night, and then here we have Britt Baker doing it or doing it all out. But um, <laughs> but no, I I I think the the thing is just like there was nothing, there was nothing that put you in doubt that that Baker was losing the belt. I mean, there is there is that, but again, it's like even though you kind of felt you knew what the result was going to be, you still had a decent little match out of it. Um, it's probably the most animated I've seen Orange Cassidy in the entire... That, that was a spectacular moment. Yeah. And it's, it's the perfect example of how to, how to change a character's demeanour mm. when it is absolutely necessary. And it also furthers the, I'll call it relationship, between the two, because it's never yeah. really been acknowledged on television, but they are, they do seem to be close to each other, like on television mm. and what I mean, yeah. even on even on like being the elite on YouTube and stuff, like there's moments involving both of them as well. Mm. But it was just that moment where, and pardoning the phrasing here, but it's just the easy way to sum it up. When Orange Cassidy lost his shit. Yes. <laughs> and basically just told Statlander, get the hell in the ring. <laughs> it was just that moment and you saw the crowd could tell it had happened and they got into it. It was like someone flicked a switch. Yeah. And that's when the match went into the next gear. It was so good. Yeah. And I like I like the little closing segment as well, obviously, of the of the Panama Sunrise correction. Pittsburgh Sunrise, followed by a very nasty looking stomp and then straight into to Lockjaw. So it's like it it keeps Baker dominant. Obviously, we have a new challenger in the form of Ruby so we'll talk about in a couple of matches time um but yeah it's like I it's like it's a good it was a good match the thing obviously is like the the result was never in question I think it was just I think I think what fans just wanted was a good match and they got one and really good performance from both from both and Britt Baker is arguably one of AEW's star players right now at this moment in time it's like it's charisma overload it's like even though she's supposed to be a heel you still kind of want to cheer and just keep going DMD. Uh, I try not to go into the Brian Butterfield demo DMD, DVD, DVD. But in <laughs> fairness, though, yeah. credit to them. Yeah. They got the fans to boo Brit. Yeah. I think there was a moment where, like, she pulled away the ref or shoved the ref out of the way, and the fans mm. legit booed her for that. It was like, oh my oh, yeah, God, you somehow yeah. did it. Yeah, because at times you have you do have the odd moments in AEW where the wrestlers will probably lightly have some sort of physical engagement with the referee, not necessarily like a big slap or something, but just like a light shove. And the refs they don't just I mean they don't ring the bell at all; they just go, "Oi, no, don't do it again," mm-hmm. or ring the bell. And again, another nice thing about the AEW match sort of qualities and stuff like that is that the refereeing just seems so much. It makes so much sense in the refereeing. It's like they don't. DQ, they don't DQ for something ridiculously stupid, mm. which which Speaks, is usually the norm. Indeed. And speaking of things making sense, this is the moment when Andrade, after the match, did his little interview, piping up the match with Pac on Rampage. Yeah. This is where they hinted very strongly, based on his reaction, that it was Chavo Guerrero that somehow altered the flight plan details or just cancelled Pac's flight. From I assume mm. he was coming from the over from the UK. Yeah. So the fact that they've done that already, it makes me wonder: Are they already going to start splitting Chavo from Andrade? Because Andrade cool. really wants the match. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that little storyline at the moment because obviously it's about Andrade and the Lucha Brothers, and, and that's a nice segue into the next match. To be honest, yeah. but again, it's like I don't. It's like 
I'm not sure what's going to ultimately happen. Is it Andrade trying to bring the Lucha Brothers to his side or or whatever? I I don't know. I think this, this is the thing, and we've talked about it on the show before. It's like, I like Andrade as performer. I do. It's just something for me isn't clicking at the moment and that's and that's not a and that's not trying to say i don't i don't like andrade it's just like it just feels like you just there's a piece missing there's a piece mm. missing to the story there's a piece missing to the overall presentation and as soon as they find that andrade's off and away to the races and and i and i have confidence there because we've seen it with a couple of New newcomers from WWE over to AEW that took their time to find their footing. Miro is an obvious case there. Mm-hmm. Doing the best man gimmick for like a couple of months and then just going on as the redeemer, everyone's happy. Um, so yeah, it's like it's not. I'm not. I'm not totally worried, but it's not, I just, I just, I need that. I need to find that missing piece. I want to see that missing piece click in, and hopefully the match on Rampage is Friday is the next step to that. I think the match on I think the match on Rampage, if it's given time, could be amazing. Hundred percent agree. I think yeah. if it is the featured match of the show, it will mm. do, or it will be really, really good. Yeah, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. I still, what's the way I put this? Like, I don't mind Chavo being like the I'll say the a mouthpiece for Andrade because Andrade is a good talker in himself, and I like the mm. way he switches between English and Spanish. It's really, really mm. cool. But there is an element where. I just don't feel like Chavo is the totally the right fit for this. Mm. I still think if you have someone like a Conan, there is just a way that Conan can just deliver stuff on the microphone and when talking, it's just got a particular edge to it. Yeah. And I just don't think that edge is totally there with Chavo. I could be, I would love to be proved wrong. Because if Chavo can suddenly just find it and it's great, but just that moment of him in almost insinuating, yeah, it was me that changed the flight plan. It's kind of like, Hmm. hmm. <laughs> that there's something there. Like I don't know. I don't know. But uh. But as you said, though, a good segue into our next match, which was for the World Tag Team Titles inside a monstrously high steel cage. It's a very big cage. <laughs> I know, right? The Lucha Brothers, Penta El Cero Miedo, and Ray Phoenix defeating the Young Bucks in what I am gonna say is one of the most insane and probably very likely one of the best tag team matches in history. Absolutely. it is obviously a cage match. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff surrounding it as well that was in the match. So if someone didn't like this, I totally understand and respect that. Mm. But I was so invested in this match. I was so invested in it going in. Mm. And this match, I will go so far as to say it didn't just deliver it freaking over-delivered just because mm. of how into it I got. And there's an element as well where the cage was so damn high, there was part of me that's thinking, I kind of want them to do something off the top of the cage, but I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> because I kind of care about wrestlers' safety as well and all this. But when just sort of jump f- forward to the end of the match, there's so much else that happened. But when Phoenix did the high cross body off the top of the cage... Mm. It was the most, it was just the perfect thing that's like, yes, that will suffice, thank you, for doing it off the top <laughs> of the cage. Especially yeah. after we had seen like a destroyer from the top rope. Matt Jackson mm-hmm. brought back something that he had done, but Excalibur actually referenced it, but I think it's something he did in PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorilla once, where mm. he had the Nike basketball shoe with drawing pins and tacks stuck to the bottom of it. Mm. It's one of the most brutal things I've ever seen. I didn't think I was going to see it again. It was the perfect 
The only way I could put it is like, you know, when you want like salt, pepper or some condiments on a really nice meal, it was a really nice condiment on this match. Just a bit of a painful <laughs> one for, for, for Penta, you know? Yeah. I I think the entire presentation of this match from start to finish is pitch perfect. And I'm talking about the entrances as well, because so you, had, you had that uh, live performance of the Lucha Bros theme. It's a real sort of fist pumping get your get your blood pumping sort of way and it was like you knew this was a fucking big deal apologies for the yeah. language but you knew it was an absolute effing big deal about this match because of a performance like that and like the heroes welcome they got into the match and then you obviously got the unbucks and, and stuff like that and it's just the rings that the ring storytelling is was just insane for this match it's it's small little moments it's small little details it's like the the brother connection of obviously the lucha bros there's there's that wonderful bit of penta sort of jumping in front of phoenix before he gets a face full of fun it it, it, it it was the tack boot wasn't it yeah literally yeah and it's like it's like you saw it's like when i saw that I thought, oh no they're, they're seriously not gonna literally kick people with this and they ultimately did, did, and it was kind of like it was it was a horrifying development, but you couldn't look away. And this is the thing, and that's the more this match just escalated with ridiculous feats of agility, with with random moments of like the Mexican standoff of super kicks. Of you have a super kick, no, you have a super kick, you have a super kick. Yes, it's a super kick party, but it was, but. I, I, I guess in any other match, people before you look at that and say that is so bloody stupid. But for this point in time, for this particular moment, it just seemed perfect. It really did. And and again, it's like even after the bell rung and the luchas had the bell, there was still something so cathartically awesome about that match. Even seeing um the family rushing out to hug to sort of oh, meet when, over when that happened like i genuinely yeah. started welling up it was almost yeah. like at that moment sorry to cut you off by the way but no, at that moment not- i was just i was so happy because Fe- mm. i love penta and phoenix like phoenix is going to be champion one day mm. he has to be AEW champion because he is so damn good and it's like even even if it was penta as well i'm game yeah. either way but phoenix mm. is on a flipping another level and there was just that moment when Penta was like waving to the crowd. Like you could tell he was saying, come down here. And I'm thinking, who's it going to be? And then I could see a referee like beside him basically saying, trying to say something to him, which I'm guessing was, you need to get to the top of the ramp. You yeah. need to pose with the belts. But you can tell this is more important. Yeah. And then suddenly, and forgive the graphic way I'm going to describe this, yeah. but when his young daughter comes out and he suddenly hugs her and he's soaked in blood. Yeah. And it's just a moment of, I don't know why, but the fact, just that visual, and then t- both daughters, and I'm assuming wife as well, yeah. partner, and it was just that moment of, you've won the war. That's what it felt like. It, it was like, it, they've been building up to this, and the Young Bucks reign, and th- that was like the icing on the cake, and that actually did set me off, and I did start actually tearing up a bit. I think for them, it's like, this is this is them. It's like, this is their kind of pinnacle moment in their career. They've they've achieved like a perfect match, which I would not be surprised if Dave Meltzer throws like six stars at this or even more at this mm. rate. But that's but it's still deserved. It's it is an incredible match, incredible match, mm-hmm. and it's like it's 
it's like yes it, it gets to really crazy levels of violence it's like it's like there are bits where i was generally it's like the masks were literally being ripped from their faces yeah because of things like all that and it just it just added to the drama it added to the suspense and and it's like yeah through hell and high water they bled for those belts and even like there's the there was a video which we'll, we'll talk about a bit later on of, of the lucha bros being interviewed it's like penta's championship is coated in blood and yeah. this is like yep this is the blood sweat and tears that i've put in to get this belt um and again i, I it's like i'm i'm excited to see what happens next who the next challenges will be and all and all that sort of stuff because with with the right team they will always have classics they had a great one with jungle express uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago so it's like it's a nice it's a nice new new start in the in the tag team division and i mean there's also there's santana yeah. and ortiz yeah there's private party to name another team yep. There's um, best friends. FTR, best friends. Like there's there's a whole world of possibility here. Yeah. And now, I mean, not to try and jump ahead because I appreciate we've also got a certain time limit tonight, but yeah. one would assume at some point in time the Bucks will get a rematch. But yeah. in a weird way, I kind of don't want them to. I kind of almost want this to be a precedent because... Have they, they held the belt on, for about... They've held the belt for about a year now, haven't they? About six, they won it from FTR. About, yeah, I think it. And I don't gear. recall FTR getting a rematch. Mm. And so I'd almost like to think they're going to do something else for a while. Yeah. Which one would assume there's still unfinished business with the Dark Order in theory. Yeah. So they could. I mean, Dark Order tag team. There's like two of them in there. I mean, yeah. obviously they're they're a bit on edge at the moment, but yeah, there's mm. just so many possibilities. But like I say, that this cage match, if you've not seen it, go out of your way to see it. Yeah, it is that we're not just throwing hyperbole. It's it, that damn impressive. It is. It is worth paying for the pay per view. To be perfectly honest, I mean, a lot of the whole pay per view is worth paying for. Um, and people are very happy to pay for the pay per view based on this one. But um, no, absolutely. If you have to see any match from this pay per view, it is this one. By far and away, it is this one. And I think, and then after that sort of intense emotional journey that we went through we had like a nice we had like a nice sort of relaxer match i guess with the casino battle royale for the women i mean you say that it's confusing as hell at the best of times but <laughs> <It's>, you know <laughs> it's a little different but it's like it's kind of like a royal rumble but we just send out five people or five or four people at every every three minutes it's, a royal, rumble, it's, it's a royal rumble with group intervals yeah pretty much that, that, that's that's basically the way to think figure it out yeah did uh, this match this was fine. Like, I don't yeah. think it, it was not the greatest thing in the world, but obviously to jump to the end of the match here, well, near the end, the Joker was Ruby Soho. There and there is. was, exact. there you go. And also that's that moment there, actually, I'm going to jump to this while that's on the screen. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it doing the rounds, but there's a, the moment that Ruby wins the match, she rolls mm. in the ring. She's like pounding the mat because she's so happy. Mm. And then Bryce Remsburg, the referee is there. And, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of like Ruby's history in Chicago and stuff, mm. but she used to wrestle like a local promotions on the Chicago Indies. She used to wrestle in a promotion called Shimmer Women's Wrestling. Mm -hmm. And Bryce Remsburg, I, I think, was one of the referees there as well. Okay. And so they've known each other for a really long time. And if you watch it, that moment, just before she hugs Bryce, you can literally see her go, hi, Bryce, and hug her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it was such a lovely moment. I thought it was kind of like, you won. I won. Yes, you did. Yay! Hug. <laughs> I know. And it's just, you could tell the moment that she came out, she had the 
biggest smile on her face. I mean, again, I'm not sure if you've seen, like, they, they sort of do, like, a little media scrum after the oh, event yeah, now yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And, like, she was saying that she's never had her name chanted at, an, at a WWE event. Mm. And the idea of that, that no one chanted her name in all the time she was there, which, I mean, you know, take, 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 a, take a word at face value, but there's an element of, if you imagine this is your debut, you're a mystery. Mm. In theory, people don't know you're there, mm. <laughs> but people hope you're there. <laughs> yeah. And you get a reaction like that, and everyone's behind you. You've got one of the best punk rock songs from Rancid. Or just, and also, story about that. Apparently, uh, her actual name, Ruby Soho, I don't know if you're aware, but like Lars Fredrickson, who's like the main guy of the punk band Rancid, who's like a good yeah. friend of CM Punk and stuff as well. He's in them. He's actually in the WWE CM Punk documentary, if you've ever seen that before, Lars Fredrickson. Mm. So Ruby was talking to him, and apparently it was him that came up with the idea for the name. And mm. on one of, Rancid al- one of Rancid's albums, they have a song called Ruby Soho, which is the yeah. song you heard. And he literally said, why don't you call yourself Ruby Soho and use our song? So yeah. it's his idea. So it's just a really cool thing like that. It's just really, mm. really cool. It's so punk rock. And her entrance <laughs> was awesome. And ultimately, it came down to her and Thunder Rosa, and ultimately, she won. And it was, I will say, Thunder Rosa, I don't know what it was, in this match, because remember on Friday, I mentioned, for some reason, it's not clicked for me with Thunder Rosa. Mm. It's just something about it, other than like the Britt Baker unsanctioned match, it's just never clicked. Something in this match was different about Thunder Rosa. I don't know what it was, but there was something. And for the Mm. first time, I was like, yeah, I like this. I like what you're doing. But ultimately, yeah. Ruby got the win. I was so happy. Yeah, it was um, Ruby and um, and uh, Thunder Rosa had some really good chemistry in the ring in the final in the final bit when it was two. It's like two crowd favorite wrestlers, um, and, it, and it was kind of like who was going to be the one to kind of go uh, uh, on the very <laughs> edge on the very edge. But it was kind of like I think the moment I think Rosa went into the post, you kind of go, yeah, Ruby's got it. But the fact of the matter is, I think we're, I think we were talking about it on the last stream. Is basically. If it was Rosa, if it was Soho, I, I think whoever won it would be a good challenger for Britt Baker. And mm. yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Ruby doesn't have to win the belt from Britt, and she probably won't. But it's a nice sort of introduction to what she's capable of on a main event stage. And I think in her WWE tenure, she had a she had a, a decent little run of it in NXT, but I think obviously called up at a very quick short notice obviously to help fuel the women's roster on the main roster and yeah it's just never really afforded a major opportunity i think she did fight ronda rousey at some point but again that's like a quick Mm. 30 second 60 second squash match um and it it just never really gave ruby the opportunity to to demonstrate what she could do and and i think judging but and obviously hearing how emotional she was from after the show as well about people chanting her name and actually feeling like she belongs somewhere and that people want to see her wrestle and people want to let her wrestle in that sort of sense. Um, I think she's going to do some really good stuff in AEW and I look forward to it. And yeah, we'll, we will find out. We will find out in tonight's Dynamite uh, what's in store with her and Britt Baker. It's going to be so good. Uh, the yeah. one, other, one other note I did want to make mention of, because I remember, I think in my prediction, that one of my picks was Jade Cargill. Mm. I will say, I don't think she should have been in this match. Because okay. I think there were, there's, there's this aura about her mm. where she's such an imposing figure, and mm. they're trying to build her up like she's gonna be the next big thing. Yeah, 
And I just feel like when I was watching her in this match, it's the first time in the presentation of her that I've thought, this isn't, this doesn't look as good as it should do. Mm. And I, I appreciate it as well. She's still very new to the industry. I mean, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've done some basic wrestling training. I can't wrestle for anything, so I'm not criticizing or anything. When was, but... the, when was the Shaq match? Was it earlier this year, about six March? months ago? Yeah, March, so she, for some reason, springs to mind. Yeah, so she's only, yeah, I think it was part of the St. Patrick's Day stuff, maybe? I, I think so, wrong. maybe, yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's just, I don't know why, because yeah. I feel like in this match, I don't, wanna, I, don't wanna, I don't want to use the word exposed, but this was the first time where the presentation of Jade, mm. it just didn't come across as well as I think it could have done. Yeah, I, I can see your point there. Um, I think, I think it's it's still uh work. I think they'll they'll carry on putting Jade through uh dark and dark elevation and maybe the odd dynamite performance here and there. The fact of the matter is she's 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 got the look, she's got the she's got the power physique, she's got the charisma and all that sort of stuff. So it, it is coming together. It is definitely mm. coming together. And yeah, I I would not be surprised, maybe I would say within the next twelve months. She'll be oh yeah, definitely, definitely in the future. She's definitely on the cards of being one of the biggest stars in the company in the future. Yeah, absolutely. but there is just that feeling as well that they keep advertising that she's undefeated. Yeah, do you count a battle royal? I it's like think... Miro. They still advertise well, no. him as undefeated in singles competition, but he has actually lost a tag match. But that's I think the thing with the AEW, um, especially with the AEW uh, stats, oh, the so rankings, yeah. Is basically they'll show like the singles record and the tag team record. So I I think as long as they're they're keeping those sort of groupings separate, I think that is okay. I think mm. that's okay because I guess in that way it give, makes them seem a bit fallible in a way. And I think that's a good thing for sometimes for storytelling is you don't make them it's like sometimes just that little that little chink in the arm or something like that, or that sort of they weren't necessarily good here. They're undefeated here, but there are moments where they can be beat. So it's like it gives I, I guess it gives the 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 people under them in the rankings the the, the thought of maybe I can beat them maybe I'm sorry and I think it just adds a little bit of I think it adds a little bit of realism I guess to the to the to the ranking side of things because otherwise it's it's it would be absolutely stupid it's like WWE have done it with wrestlers coming in and they just win everything left right and center for example I mean it's like I think the Shield were undefeated a considerable amount of time when they joined mm. um, but obviously that was the Shield um, but it's like you can imagine WWE kind of trying to protect that at all costs, per se, hmm. and it and it wouldn't fail and it wouldn't feel believable. Whereas here with the AEW, if they lose an attack match, but they're not the one pinned, fair enough, they're still strong. It's like, yeah, that's just my fault there. Next anyway. up was the final fight. No, mm. I'm not talking about the video game. I'm talking about Chris Jericho <laughs> versus MJF. Now, the way this began, even before the bell. <laughs> we got a parody of his of his original WWF entrance, which I laughed so hard. Like mm. just said Jericho's last match instead of just Jericho in the text that's like blue and goes out and back in. And then MJF's <laughs> music hit, and it's just like perfect. Perfect. Home run. I, home run, that's it. I was doing basketball just then, but home run. Yeah. I just I just love the fact on on commentary as well for this entire match. 
they they weren't hiding their distaste for MJF. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's wonderful from the commentary side of things, just to say, yeah, we're we're trying to be we're trying to be fair and unbiased, but we definitely don't like this shit. <laughs> we mm-hmm, don't like mm-hmm. this little shit back. And I think that's a testament to obviously how the how the character is and so forth. I think MJF is one of AEW's most entertaining characters. And it's like it's fun to hate him. And it's fun to see him be being being like well, I think if you got insulted or blocked on Twitter, it's like it's a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. Then you have irked him or you've received the the spite of MJF in a way. Um, but yeah, I think we we were talking in the, the last room about this match of kind of going, well, it feels a bit weird, but it, it seemed like it was going to be a Jericho victory. Ultimately, it was after a very clever way of restarting. So I've got an image there. Yeah, because Jericho got pinned i can't remember exactly how it worked i'll try and look up a note quickly he got I, Ju- but, but, he got judas affected by mjf so yeah, it was, it was, yeah that's what it was yeah and then on the during like two to three count his foot's yeah. on the rope or that was it, see yeah. it but then another ref came down and went oh, hey wait a minute i actually who was sorting out a squabble between i think hager and wardlow just kind yeah. of went because went wait a minute i i saw his foot on the rope that, yeah that that pen wasn't that pen wasn't good and this went all right we'll restart and i think i think when they start restarted it it's just kind of really amped up the stakes a bit because yeah. they they went through you thought for a second oh oh shit he actually did lose this and then it's like no 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 no, carry on no no we're gonna go on well, and it- i was gonna say well that's another great thing about it is that hmm. it was the fact that you kind of thought wait a minute jericho's losing by a, like a screw job yeah. like his career's done for a screw job and AEW don't back down on stipulations based on past stipulations they've done yeah so there's just that element where you i was suddenly thinking wait jericho really Mm. and then when they restarted it it was that moment of oh shit now like whatever happens next it's gonna be it yeah and then it was just the the crowd was so into it again it was like it was like that moment we were talking about earlier of um What's the, way to, what's the way to grab it? It was that moment of when you go into fifth gear or yeah. like someone flicks the switch. That was the switch being flicked. And mm. also I love the fact as well that it was because Wardlow had come down mm. that ultimately MJF was screwed yeah. out of his win, out of mm. his screw, screw job win. There you go. And yeah, they've had bits on AEW where MJF has been berating Wardlow and he's not enjoyed it. So but, may- uh, but it, it, it was established mm. a long time ago that Wardlow is under contract to MJF, not AEW. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they acknowledged it once before because he was doing it a while ago and then they kind of just, like MJF threw out a line or something like, no, he's under contract to me effectively because he he's fucked up in his life or something. Oh, sorry, pardon my language. That he oh, screwed up in everyone his gets life. Everyone gets one. Everyone gets one. There you go. Because he, he screwed up <laughs> something else before in his life, basically. And so he's he's employed him to basically be his body card so he can pay off something. I, they they yeah. referenced it once before, but they okay. have actually, that, that is actually like in, in the pantheon of the law of AEW. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. But no, I think, I think considering we weren't that hyped for the match, to be honest, it's like it, because I think it, according to AEW sort of storytelling around the match because obviously we had the in the last dynamite before all out we had jim ross in the ring with jericho saying i think you've made a mistake chris and it's like there was a there's that slight sense of oh jericho might actually retire it's the one percent 
That's what we that, were saying that, last that, time. That, that, that 1%. But, the, but I think, yeah, once the match restarted, it just, the stakes just seemed so much real. And I think that's when, when you see Jericho just slowly apply the line tamer. And you kind of, the moment he, he locks it in, you just go, yes, <laughs> he's going to keep doing that. Um, but no, Definitely. good, good, good fun match. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think if you wanted to really make this storytelling perfect, this should have been like the fifth labor. Agreed. Yeah. That's what yeah. we said before. Yeah. But anyway, it's done. Hopefully, I really hope this feud is done. Well, oh. would you like me to add something to that? Oh god! <laughs> no, no, no! You probably like this. So, because I again, okay. I watched like BTE. I watched like the Ethan yeah. Page vlog. Now, flipping Uno's got a vlog, and I also watched the Sammy Guevara vlog, partly to help kill time, partly because I'm just curious to see if there's any random tidbits. And, and Sammy Guevara specifically said on his vlog that was published yesterday at the time we're recording this on Twitch Live mm. that that now that the Pinnacle feud is done, he mm. specifically used those words. So. By all accounts, this is done now. Mm. One would assume that MJF's going to have a rebuttal of some kind, but by all accounts now, maybe excluding another FTRV Proud and Powerful match, because it's now 1-1 yeah. technically, this feud is done. Mm. In theory. Yeah. I mean, they can always play on, on history of that young, young, happy MJF with a certain CM Punk. <laughs> to, to, oh, that is, that, is a, that is a funny picture to see. But also wholesome at the same time. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you just mentioned the name. Let's get yep. into it. The next match was the first match in seven years of one CM Punk, and he defeated Darby Allen. Now, so this match, first of all, I really enjoyed it. By the end, I was so into this. Yeah. But early on, I don't know what it was because there was one. I think I mentioned it again on Friday on our Friday stream that. I didn't want to kind of overhype myself for this. Mm. I kind of wanted to just to take it at face value to see what was presented to me. But there was an element where it kind of felt like, okay, I'll use the car analogy because anyway I can do it. Like it kind of felt like we were trying to get out of second gear for a little bit. Well, like there was a little bit of a feeling out thing, which he's not wrestled in seven years. I don't knock it, but it was that early moment of like, okay, doing some stuff, you know, got like a lot of chin locks and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. Let's get into it. Also, because of the emotional high of the Jericho match, mm. I can also imagine there was Punk probably thinking, I need to just like restore the balance. Yeah, let, if you let, will. It, let it stew a bit. I think yeah. in a way, and, and some people have mentioned this in their own sort of reviews as well. In a way, it was kind of like the storytelling equivalent of CM Punk just sort of kind of getting the ring rust off him. Yeah. And slowly coming back into it. So yes, it has a very methodical, slow start. But then there are certain bits where it starts to pick up high gear. And then halfway through the match, Punk hits the first GTS. And it's like it comes out of nowhere. And everyone is literally shocked about it. But Darby just falls out the ring. And the way he fell out the ring. What the yeah. heck, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it sometimes it is uncomfortable to see Darby Allen fling himself around the ring, but that is who he that is that is the daredevil he is. So it's like it might not be nice to watch sometimes, but you, you kind of have to kind of sit and watch it in awe and sometimes mm. because it's like this the even the 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 buckle bump where he throw is thrown into the buckle and just flings out him out of the ring as well it's like it, yeah because he got thrown in between the top and second rope yeah and you're normally you know, someone would hit their shoulder. shoulder no he just somehow hits the back of his back and goes flying down to the yeah, floor just, and then you're just spins. like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> but 
But um, but no, I think I think this was a nicely told match. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't it didn't have to go. I think from a CM Punk fan perspective, it didn't have to be the greatest match ever, but it had to be able to demonstrate that Punk was still able to go at a good at a good length match. I mean, this and is about. And this was about a fifteen-minute match. It and was apparently sixteen forty-four. Ah, so, so so close. Um, so yeah, so for that and to just enjoy it and have those little moments. I mean, it's like the coffin drop in which Punk just sits up. I that was <laughs> that is one of my favorite moments. Just he does the coffin drop, and it's like, how's he going to counter it? He yeah. just sits up. And it was has a laugh. <laughs> it was both the most. What's what's way to phrase this? Audacious. First of all, but sensible. Yeah, but it was also the most logical. And it almost feels incredibly disrespectful when you look at it as well. But it's just mm. that thing of, oh yeah, just sit up. Yeah. Like, why has no one like, else thought of that? It's like, oh, Darby's coming. I'll just sit up. Yeah. Ah. There also, we go. There was, there, was, <laughs> there was some really nice just callbacks to little moments throughout the past couple of weeks as well. The mm. one in particular that got me was on, I think it was... Yeah, it was on Friday on Rampage when Punk was doing commentary and it was Darby Allen v. Daniel Garcia. And mm. there was a moment where I think Darby did a code red. Yeah. And Punk specifically on commentary went, what the heck was that? And then someone told him, that's a code red. And he went, code red? I'm watching out for that. And ironically, he got hit by it. <laughs> it's like, it's, yes. just, it's little storytelling beats. And like, I, I, I know I pick up on little minutiae things like that, but it's just, it's a little thing. And this is another comparison compared to WWE where you are actually rewarded in AEW for paying, for paying attention. attention yeah, and keeping tabs on these little things. It's like the thing I told you about Wardlow. Like they've referenced it once, but that is in the law and it's happened. So it's not kind of one of those, mm. it's not like, you know, the book of untold or unfinished WWE stories available now, which is everything. And it's always like a loophole or like some plot, plot thread that's never actually been fully tied up when everyone else could very easily do it in a heartbeat. Mm. They always try and tie up a plot thread, or if they don't immediately, there will at least be a reference somewhere to it, nine times out of ten. And this match, by the end of it, I was so into this. It was so Mm. good. The crowd were mental. I hear that the ice cream bars were great, and I'm jealous. And yeah, just I I was really, really happy, above all else, that this match just went well. Yeah. I just... The thing... Because you... There's people online who just clearly want CM Punk to fail. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just the way it is, because that's just how some people are. I was just so happy it just went well. Yeah. That's all I wanted in the grand scheme of things. And the moment after the match where him and Sting shook hands, by all accounts from Punk, that was basically an unplanned moment. Yeah. And they both admitted this is a really special moment. And the idea that we're going to be getting potentially some more interaction between Punk and Sting is so cool. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how, maybe they'll team up randomly, you know? You never know. But you kind of, it's like even in defeat, Darby looked good. And mm. and you you got to kind of wonder if how how much marking in the inside he was doing during that sort of the end bit of just shaking hands with CM Punk and just going, I have just had a match with CM Punk. Yeah. It's, it's that sort of thing. And I, and just touching back to the rampage or not actually the countdown to all out video that they released um after rampage i think there's there's an incredibly great story from punk he talks about eddie guerrero coming to to Mm -hmm. one of the indie shows and and wrestling him and so forth and hearing that punk is aiming to be the mentor or kind of be 
this sort of mentor that just helps the younger talent just shine bright on a big stage, I think is, 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 is a very sort of, no, not very sort of, it's very positive. It's very positive. It's, it feels like there, he is going to add so much merit and, or, and help elevate these stars as well. And he's, and he started it with Darby Allen. So, it, so it's kind of like, the reason I mentioned that photo of him and MGF is like, wouldn't that be just like a fun, silly storyline? And so I was like, yeah, I met you when you were all cool, and now you're just terrible, and you can have a little mini feud there. At some the point, their paths are going to cross. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing I really liked as well, because there was um, it was actually today at the time we're doing this live on Twitch. But yeah. AEW put up like a a road to dynamite video, like with some like post match stuff some behind the scenes but there's a great moment with ruby soho and the former sarah logan i can't remember what yes. her real name is sarah Rowe. Sarah there Rowe. you go thank you that's what it was sarah Rowe. and there was like a yeah. wonderful moment involving them some some off-air comments from daniel bryan in the arena as to why he's an aw and why people mm. are coming to aw but it was a great moment from punk where he basically just said you know he came here to have matches with the younger talent he wants to wrestle them but he basically said I have, you know, on the scale of one to ten, I thought Darby Allen was an eleven. He's a fifteen. Whoever, mm. who am I going to wrestle next? I don't want to wrestle Darby Allen because <laughs> he basically <laughs> just said, "I'm not going through that again." In a good yeah. way. Yeah, it's so kind it's of elevating, really, really well done. Elevating that stock, saying Darby Allen is not to be underestimated on this roster, and yeah, only way is up for him. To be honest, um, right? And, we and, got... and speaking, I was going to say, speaking of uh, the only way is up. It was the only way down for QT Marshall. Because hey. he got he got decimated <laughs> for, by Paul White, and do you know what? This match literally went about three minutes. It was exactly what you thought it was going to be. It was going to be the other yeah. members of the factory getting involved. QT kind of trying to do not much because he couldn't. Big Show d- delivered one of his uh, his silencing the crowd like chops four times. Yeah. I think it was choke slam pin to the back. Yeah, perfectly yeah. fine. <laughs> it, it, I think after obviously. Uh, Punk and Derby. It's that sort of again. It's like this is a match that it, we knew wasn't going to probably set the energy levels off the radar. I think it was one to say, "Hey, calm down a little bit." Yeah, We've it's like one I said, more just match. Re- restoring that level. We got one more match and a little bit more <laughs> to, to tell you. But yeah, quick, short, to the point, right result. End of this tiny, 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 tiny feud. And now Big Show, but no, Paul White. I will use the correct name. Sorry, Paul no, White. No more no, BS, Paul White. No I'll more, no more, no more. <laughs> will. Uh, <laughs> I do love that. Will. Random thing. I just love every time they do Paul White commentary on Botchamania, and you've got that cat <laughs> with the little bandana just going, Will. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so now now Paul Wright can go off and ask Billy Gunn, hey, what was that chair shot about the other night, mate? <laughs> this, this feud must continue. <laughs> now now it is it is it is the right versus the gun. There we go. Done. <laughs> 19, 1999's come back to haunt you, everybody. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> but the anyway, main, main event, event for the AEW World Championship, it was Kenneth by God Omega. Defeating and retaining. Oh, that's a very good photo. Um, <laughs> defeating and retaining the championship against Christian Cage. So I guess the first thing to say is, how did this compare to the Impact title match? Personally, I prefer the Impact title match. But I think yeah. that was also a uh, striking while the iron's hot, everyone was up for it. it mm. Like, the stars aligned. Not to say this match was bad, it's just comparing the two, I was far more into the other one. But the reason I was far more into the other one 
And this is both a testament to how good All Out was, but also a detriment to how good All Out was, is that when this match happened, I was tired. <laughs> like, I was burnt out. I'll be honest. Like, it got to the start of this match, and there was part of me that's thinking, oh, man, I really want to take in this match, but I'm, mm. act- I'm just, I'm actually tired. Like, yeah. I've had such a good time. I don't know how much more I can actually, like, devote my time and energy to this. And it's a really weird comp- comment to say, because it's nothing against either Omega or Christian. It's just the circumstances. That's how loaded and great of an event it was. Yeah. I mean, it's like this match, again, this match was a little slow to start off with, but it, it started picking up. And again, it's a really, it's a fine wrestling match. It it might not be best of the years or something like that, but it was a good title match. Christian Cage continues to show why he is a workhorse performer in terms of things. It's like to still be able to to go after like a seven year or so gap from wrestling as well, similar to CM Punk, and to be able to do it to that level as well, like mm. taking stomps for a table, taking various V triggers and, and taking one-winged... a one winged angel. Super. Off them. Su- yeah. Super. Like the the avalanche. Super. <laughs> yeah. What is the, what's the, what's the phrase? The avalanche one winged angel from like the second rope. Like, yeah. Madman. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> just... he's a trooper. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, but... It, it, it was a very serviceable main event. Obviously, I think a lot of people were a little bit displeased and kind of disappointed it wasn't Paige in this yeah. but i guess but then again obviously it's gonna it, they're gonna return to that storyline they're going to return yeah. to that storyline but at least what they've been able to fill the storyline with for the time being has been very serviceable and has been very entertaining and it's been a sh- it's been a short fun silly little feud with don Callis and the carny piece of shit that he is it's in so kayfabe good. in kayfabe of course so good. <laughs> um but um yeah i yeah no one no one no one saw Christian Cage taking the belt. I think generally they just want to see a nice little decent, decent closer match, and that's what they got because pretty much everything was about what happened straight after. Um, yeah, <laughs> where I mean, do we I'll, start? I'll, with I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you take the lead in this one because I've done a lot of the talking. So how, yeah. how do you how do you want to to to, to proceed events as it were with what happened next? Well, basically, there's massive beating ups of left, right, and center. So Jungle Express come out to help Cage after he's been beaten down after after victory and yeah all the elite are, are gathered together even jurassic young, express that's their name yes and even the young bucks who had been broken beaten and and kind of looking sorry for themselves are just hobbling into the ring as well and, and kenny was kind of going well anyone who wants to fight me is either not here retired or already dead the lights go out and lo and behold and i I am generally, and it's like trying not to get slightly emotional about this at the same time. I am generally happy. I'm so happy to see this man in AEW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Uh, it's just, it's just the way the lights went out, and then you just have the. It's all about the boom. And it's like that theme tune. <laughs> that theme tune just hit the ground running, and it's like when we were talking just before we went online. We went online. It's basically. It feels like a very modified version of Undisputed Era's theme but it still has the core bits. It has the boom, and it has the perfect point for someone to go bay-bay at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Cole turns up, turns heel within like 60 seconds by kicking Jungle Express, rejoining with the Elite. There's this wonderful picture. I haven't got it in here, but the picture I love the most, and it's the one that does the rounds a lot, it's just Cole just looking so happy and being kissed on either cheek by the Unbucks. And the top of his head by Omega. 
yeah and it's just kind of like yeah this this feels so it, it just felt so right it really did and so and I, I i need to, just on that note sorry to cut you off are you aware of the reference to or already dead are yes. you aware as to what that's in reference to yeah so basically when he went off to join nxt uh they killed him off from being the elite <laughs> they killed him and- off from being the elite by by uh spiking a can of monster <laughs> backstage at a pwg show which yeah. is why if you watch being the elite and they do a seance to bring him back mm. when he appears he's like super dragon who's like the promoter of pwg and he's like what if my mouth taste a monster <laughs> it's like and he looks at his clock and sees it's been four years it's like it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we have that and then we're getting ready to send the folks home happy and then ride of the valkyries and Yes, it finally happens. Good old Brian Danielson. I've got the name right off the bat. Let's try. Try not to say the other name. Just call him um, Brian if all else fails. Yeah, Brian. Brian works. Brian works. Uh, turns up and Crowder. It's like the the crowd already lost their lost their minds for Adam Cole's return, and then the crowd lost their minds again for Brian. And it's kind of like. And a lot of people have been kind of going, "Oh, it's like that was like was like too much. That's like that's too much to do at the end. You can't just." debut two top tier stars on the same go yes you can especially if AEW you can do it this way it's great if you, count, if you count Ruby three yeah three yeah three there um, but yeah again nice little nice little final beat down and a nice sort of running knees from Danielson um, and yeah crowd go I'm happy and that's the end of just an insane pay-per-view and yeah I think there's also that nice little video again of the road to Dynamite where they were showing some stuff after uh, all out uh, that happened and Brian's just in the ring and he's just he's making it clear why he's there he's a wrestler he wants to wrestle he and he's like he's he's drawn to AEW because it's a place that people are generally thriving it's a place where audiences are are enjoying themselves and they're giving them and reciprocating the, the the stuff that they're seeing and yeah it's just it just I think a lot of a lot of people have noted this is like this is like the start of a new era for AEW. So we've had we've had the we've had the the, the opening three years. We're now into like like maybe not necessarily year two, but like phase two of AEW yeah. per se. Mm-hmm. And the the only way I feel for them right now is up because it's like they're not they're not putting a foot wrong, even when certain shows aren't necessary delivering. And there've been one or two dynamites on the road to all out that never weren't necessarily firing all the sort of cinemas. It's still a watchable product. It's still a product that people will watch. It's still a product that people will happily talk about and feel excited about. Even if certain things that they want to see happen, don't necessarily happen today that they are happy to still keep tuning in and watch it. And when you look at the other, other company that is running, and they and you, it's like you, I I can't find anyone who says they're generally happy to watch uh, a WWE product right now, and it's and I'm one of them. I mean, this this thing, and this is not for me to. This is not me to say. This is not me trying to kind of really hammer this in. But I actually cancelled my subscription to WWE Network this week, and it's and it's simply because it's like I'll enjoy some of the shows. I enjoy the Stone Cold podcast. But there's not much for me to really dig my to really enjoy anymore, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and and that and that really sucks in a way. It's like this is this is a point in time where we have 
an amazing promotion doing amazing things in AEW. This should be the fire that helps WWE get back on track. It's like, I don't want to see them fail, but it's like, I want to see them try to put a product out, which is not on the, which may be on the same level, but near the same level. And I, and I think I've said, I've said this before on the podcast. I don't think they're going to bloody try. They're just going to go. Nope. Nope. we got the blinkers on. Let's just, this seems to work for us. We're making money. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, the thing it is what it is. To add a point, mm. the key thing with AEW is that people, including ourselves, want to watch it. Yeah. Watching WWE at this point, not that I've really watched anything in a while, aside from what we've talked about on the, on the show, it, it's more watching it out of habit. Mm. That's literally what it comes down to. And you know what? I've, I'm still subscribed to the network because I keep forgetting to cancel it. I'm still <laughs> waiting for that Lex Luger documentary. Like I want to see this like oh yeah the icons yeah they did the they were supposed to be the icons yeah and like Um, WWE uh, uh, like keep like moving things and at this point I'm probably just gonna I'll probably just like try and get a free trial gimmick or something if I can because they seem to send those out every week but yeah um, I mean yeah I mean I'll I'll probably take pay per view by pay per view if there's something that I'm really excited to see then Yeah. yeah I might sign up for the month but at this moment in time in terms of watching the weekly TV content um unfortunately I have a BT Sports subscription. But I don't watch Raw. I'll watch probably SmackDown, but mm. I'll I'll still skim through a bit of it. Um, I'll watch NXT. I'm I'm going into next week's NXT with the whole new rebranding with just very low expectations and and see what happens. If it if mm. it impresses me, great. If it doesn't, well, I'm not even I, I won't be disappointed in myself. Mm. Um, but no, I think I feel I feel this event in particular is really just sort of really opened the eyes i think to just how much of a positive impact AEW is having right now um and you see it in the interviews you see it in the behind the scenes stuff the wrestlers there are genuinely happy to be there they're there to wrestle they can wrestle they can be creatively free to do as they see fit and so forth and they're not they they don't have to just follow the party line of one particular person in a company because it worked 30 years ago and it will work now because reasons and so forth. And um, I was going to bring this up. Mick Foley um, actually did a Facebook video and he's also done a, a podcast interview and he's talked about how now because AEW is doing so well and, and being such a positive thing in the wrestling community He's kind of highlighted how he's kind of highlighted how AEW is the place where wrestlers are fancying themselves going to now, and WWE is not the promised land anymore. And and it's especially if you look at look at the NXT talent, look at the NXT talent. I mean, he's he's done a really good point here about uh, Karrion Cross. It's like I'm going to read this uh, quote he mentioned in the interview. In the case of Karrion Cross, don't reinvent the real. If the guy is one of the best entrances in the business and then you send him out there as generic guy and he loses in two minutes, people are saying, this doesn't hurt him. It wasn't an NXT loss. I'm thinking, you only get one chance to make a first impression. Can you dig him out of the hole? Yeah, but he shouldn't be in the hole to begin with. (laughs) I think the AEW pressure is the best thing to happen to WWE. And I think, yeah, there's pressure. But like I said, I I don't see them reacting. They, They just plod on think we're going to be happy with it and i think i was talking i think i was talking 
like I said, we I was talking earlier about uh, our mutual sort of Bunkzilla contributor, uh, Christian, talking to him about All Out. Um, what was he saying? Basically, it's kind of like, WWE is probably on course to become like the Nickelodeon version of wrestling. So if you're 5 to 8, 9, 10, 11, this is your bag now. You've got so these. what you're saying, Ian, is we're back in 1995. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> Literally, but th that's the way long term. And this is me trying to sort of put a positive spin on this discussion. Yeah, as okay, I can. yeah, yeah. I hope long term this will lead to WWE. What's a polite way to put this? Pulling their finger out eventually mm. and actually wanting to try something different. Because they're clearly about yeah. to try something different with a couple of things, but I think the 1995 point I've just made, not to toot my own horn here, has mm. actually just kind of made that very logical to me. It's like, we're in 1995, WCW came along and started Nitro, kind mm. of lit a bit of a fire, and people yeah. started going towards them because they they got bigger names and whatnot. But obviously WCW's downfall was they didn't properly build younger talent to take you through to the next 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Whereas AEW, as I think both Punk and Danielson have said in interviews now, the young talent in AEW is insanely good, and they're yeah. already building new stars. Yeah, look at look at the AEW roster, and you can already imagine people who are not in the main event picture who could be in the main event picture very well, it's easily. Like, it's like stars like Dante Martin, who had that stellar turning in that tag match with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega a few weeks ago on Dynamite. Uh, Daniel Garcia is doing pretty good stuff. John Silver of the Dark Order. Yeah, John Silver 2.0. There's mm -hmm. like, yeah, they've just jumped over from NXT, but to get a contract and being involved in big storylines already with Sting and Darby Allen. It's they've like, been there a month and look yeah, how much they've done. Yeah, they don't, they, you, you don't get that. You, just, you don't walk in the door and expect that to happen. They've managed to earn that somehow in their hard work, and that is good to see. And as you were saying, you said WCW didn't invest in the future. I think AEW have invested in the future quite heavily, and it's like they're not going to have that problem. They're not going to have well, that problem. Key difference is, I should clarify my point, WCW had the future in their hands, but they yeah. just didn't know how to implement it mm. and, and squandered a lot of opportunity. You could say like WWE is doing. Mm. Just saying. Yeah. But but yeah, that's because I'm still a WCW fan at heart. But yeah, mm. ultimately, I am so happy this event was as good as it was. Because now, if you want to give people the perfect introduction to AEW of where things currently are, go there. You literally <laughs> just tell them, watch this event. Yeah. This will give you the perfect introduction I... to everything that's been going on. That is and then some. It is a good sort of. It is like a very nice. This is a this is a nice refresher entry point for brand new fans. And yeah, I think I think people have been responding online with people have actually paid for their first pay per view in like years because mm -hmm. they were curious. They were curious mostly because obviously the CM Punk side of things. But to go in and and again just get that that appeal of the not the disillusioned fans or the expired fans coming back in. Um, I don't think they have pay-per-view numbers yet, but it's going to be very interesting to see how AEW All Out performed. Mm. I think it, I think it did very, very well. Um, and, and it was yeah. also available on Fight TV in the US as well at the last yeah. minute. So there yeah. was another avenue for people to be able to check it out as well. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, as we were saying at the start of the start of the show, this this was 
a great event. It's put AEW in a fantastic position. It feels like the next chapter is really starting. It feels very positive. It feels incredibly exciting, really. And it's like, as we said, we've got dynamite tonight with 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 yeah, with Moxley versus Suzuki. And it's like, who would have thought people would be getting excited about that two years ago? <laughs> Exactly, but and yeah. you, you kind of summed it up with AEW being a jumping on point to sort of use like mm. a comic book analogy or something yeah. along those lines. It's when you kind of get all like, even like you know when a season of a TV show ends or something. Like yeah. we've reached like the end of a season or a story arc has concluded, and the next issue or the next episode is like the first chapter in the next story. Yeah, and that's where we're at. Like all out was effectively the end of end of a season. Mm. that's the way i look at it and tonight's dynamite is kind of the epilogue yeah or it's kind of like the the next issue but it's the first one after this big event happened like the massive crossover event that happens in mm. comics or something like that that's what this is it's like what happens next because yeah. there are so many things to be excited about and just to quickly talk about dynamite as you said got john moxley Minoru suzuki got malachi black and dustin rhodes Ruby mm-hmm. Soho's first Dynamite appearance. I yep. want to say it's actually, is it Ruby Soho and Jamie Hayter in a match? I I'm think that's sure. been announced since in the thing I've been looking at. I swear something else got announced. I'm certain. I'm, I'm going to have to check now because, uh, well, my browser's got all funky, so there you go. But, but <laughs> I, I, I get a feeling that um, that Ruby Soho's first, that I'm sure there's been a match added. This is a, this is a appalling radio now, as it were, but... Um, da, 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 da. Oh, anyway, oh. I'm sure Jamie Hayter is now wrestling in a match for some reason. That is just firmly in my brain. There's more stuff on, more stuff announced. So yeah, Ruby Soho is taking on Jamie Hayter tonight. There you go. And that's going to be uh, a great match. Two of the best women's wrestlers out there having a match with each other. There's also going to be Powerhouse, Hob- ha- Powerhouse Hobbs <laughs> and Dante Martin. I oh, sense a demolition happening. <laughs> But yeah, Danielson will be there. Adam Cole's going to be there, and CM Punk's going to be talking there as well. So it's it's the next exciting chapter. What's going to happen next? It'll be fun. It'll we be will fun. find out. We will find out. And uh, on that note, everybody, we are going to bring this edition of Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK to a close. Thank you very much for tuning in and watching this, be you live right now or in the archive after the fact. Make sure you check out our past episodes of, of Bunker Mania. Again, you can see our AEW and SummerSlam, sorry, AEW All Out Prediction plus SummerSlam Review Show, if you'd like to. We've also yep. got the episode devoted to the Invasion pay-per-view, because that's 20 years old now. And we've got yep. some other episodes on there as well. So make sure you go and check those out. It is also mm-hmm. currently September in the world of Twitch, so you can save on subscriptions on Twitch, which is where we are recording this live right now. And of course, mm-hmm. if you want to contact Bunkazilla, you can do so via the likes of the Twitter, the Facebook, via Twitch as well. And of course, via email on contact at bunkerzilla.co.uk. And Ian, in case I have missed anything else, anything else to make mention of? Uh, no, I think we're all hunky-dory there. But of course, as always, there's always time for people to follow us on Twitter and chat to us as well about all of this sort of stuff that we do. And you can follow me over on Twitter at Decadane and also my own Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the Decadane. I stream on Sundays at two o'clock with Simulator Sunday. Farming was a bit of a disaster last week. Um, find out why on the channel. <laughs> <laughs> I I played Farming Simulator and I lost my bloody mind because it was so it's like it's like this is not the game I expected it to be. And I just uh, uh- 
I feel the need to say, Ian, are you aware that they've just announced Bus Simulator 2021? I, I want that. I want to play that game. I think that's going to be more exciting than Farming Simulator. But <laughs> but I just I, I got to this I got to the stage where I was just doing stuff and I had no idea what I was doing on Farming Simulator, and I'd lost the plot to the point that I was doing West Country accents, saying, "Oh, you hear about that farmer Decadane? He's on he's on a tractor, you see, at three a.m. sowing seeds." Why? So what I you're saying know. is that the what you're saying is your lead into All Out was certainly a memorable one. <laughs> it kind of was. Oh, but, then I went, but then I went to see uh, uh, Shang-Chi after that to kind of pick up my That's a palette cleanser for the But it's a great film. We haven't seen it yet. Do go see that. But, I'm going uh, to yeah. see it this weekend, hopefully. Nice. Um, but yes, you can follow me on Twitter, at Decadane. And uh, the Decadane on Twitch is the place to find me. Hope to see you on a stream very, very soon. Jeremy, where can they follow you? You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram. I am at Jeremy G underscore underscore. And I've mentioned it a few times. I'm hoping to be doing some streaming stuff of my own in the coming weeks slash month. So stay tuned. And when I've got information on that, I'll be able to share accordingly because I've got some fun things in mind that uh, I hope he will be up for, to say the least. Good, good. So next episode, I think we'll be back in what? A week or so's time, maybe two weeks, maybe uh, maybe a nice week or little... two. We, we will let people know. Stay tuned to the yeah. Bunkers of the UK Twitter, most likely, and the schedule page on the uh, on on Twitch here right now as we're I live. Think, I think maybe I think the closest one for us might be Extreme Rules, which is in two weeks. Ugh. I'm not sure. It's extreme. It's the one night of the year we can get extreme. Can we watch One Night Stand 2005 instead? We could do. So this is extreme wrestling, and now this is extreme wrestling. Compare and contrast. <laughs> I like that idea. Let's uh, let's, let's put we'll, that on the paper. We'll, 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 we'll put that. We'll, we'll have a discussion, or we'll think of something yeah, else we'll, to watch we'll, instead we'll, that will be we'll better. It, we'll put it on the the fridge of ideas. <laughs> the fridge of ideas. <laughs> I'm going to hang this idea right on the fridge. But unless, but apart from that Family Guy thing where they were sounding condescending, I actually feel actually quite in, intrigued by this idea of looking at extreme wrestling from 2000 and five all the way up to and just i mean mate to... you know what actually we could do earlier we could do an ecw pay-per-view i know you've just cancelled your network subscription but there's a reason for you to resubscribe well i still have until after extreme rules so i still so i've already paid for it for the month so maybe in... yeah let's 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 have a chat let's have a chat but we'll um, talk about this off air but we'll, yeah. we'll see what comes up we've got some ideas here but on that extreme bombshell we're gonna say goodbye so jeremy take us home Thank you very much for watching and or listening, everybody. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Mr. Ian Bolton, we have been Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK, signing out and speak to you soon. Bye. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkerzilla originals at bunkerzilla.co.uk. Ooh.